We're looking at the key talking points from week two in the NFL. Uh, and what bigger talking point really than two amazing comebacks over the weekend, Brian? Uh, I can see the smile creeping across your lips because, of course, the, the Giants had a bit, joint highest comeback in uh, in their entire history over the weekend um, against the um, the who were they playing the weekend again? Going out of my head. The Cardinals, the Cardinals, of course. Jeez, how, how could <laughs> I and I was only texting you, slagging you over the weekend that the, the Cardinals were doing a number on them. So it, yeah, it, it should be should be front of mind. But um, yeah, an amazing comeback. And unfortunately, you know, we, we talked about it separately uh, that the Nick Chubb injury and Saquon Barkley carrying the team on his back at times um, at a cost. Yes, but I think uh, Daniel Jones really often was the guy that took this team under his wing on Sunday and came out the second half and. I mean, he threw for over 250 yards in the second half. Three touchdowns. He runs in a touchdown. He's 58 yards rushing. No, no quarterback in NFL history has ever done that in a second half performance. So uh, that for me, that's going to be another bright spot and for a guy that's been criticised and people still have their doubts about him. But for me, he's I, there's no doubts in my mind. He's, he's the right guy to take this team forward. Things are still not right for me. Like Brian Davis taking back my calling. I was watching some coverage today where they're kind of suggesting it wasn't him. But you can clearly see He's the one. He's he's the one. The man behind the uh, done the done the uh, McCarthy impression with the, uh, the with the cover sheet. Um, for sake one, course he's going to be too soon. Uh, he, he David is suggesting today he may play, but I can't see. I think Monday week against Seattle is more realistic game, and they're probably been very fortunate because it looks like it's a, a low ankle sprain as opposed to what he got a couple of years ago, which had him out for a few months. Yeah, they, they were very insistent that it was, quote, an ordinary ankle sprain. You know, nobody wants speculation to be swirling around the dreaded high ankle sprain. So hopefully it is as advertised. I just trouble morning, Connor. Like, it's, it's really like Graham here. He's a, he's a Giants fan there. Like, it's, a, it's an unusual one, right? Because there's two Giants fans out there over the past few days. The one that's kind of concerned about the fact that they were in that position in the first place against one of the weakest teams in the league. And then there's the ones that go, look at that second half performance. Look what they can do, albeit against one of the weaker teams in the league. It's it's uh, it's a strange and it's hard to kind of compare what's what's the right as well as what the right approach is there. But sometimes a strange result like that or a second half performance can turn your season around very quickly. Uh, side note on the on the Cardinals column before we move on there, you know they are one of the work, weakest teams in the league, as Brian said. No surprises there, but they've been well, probably a lot more competitive than than a lot of people might have given them credit for at the start of the season. You know, Jonathan Gannon was taking an awful slagging in the off season, but he has them playing and looking like they want to play. They don't look like a team that's overtly tanked. No, they they don't, and and maybe in a in a weird way, in terms of the guys putting the effort in, getting rid of some players means that there are younger guys in there are guys playing for contracts because well, they might be playing with the the cards next year. They could be playing elsewhere, and some of the stuff like we got to remember this is week two as well. Um, you know, like last year, um. You think back to to week two and and say Trey Lance going down with the injury and Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be the savior and then you know Brock Purdy so there's an awful lot of football still to to be played um, but it is nigh and impossible to tank a season right sometimes okay you can find yourself maybe in week ten and you know you've lost nine games and then you know guys are all right we'll take we'll take it easy here or you make moves. Um, but the players want to win and Jonathan Gannon wants to win because you saw in Houston, right? They knew uh, that things weren't going to go well there, but ultimately they made the head coach the sacrificial lamb. 
Um, staying with big comebacks, Colin, I hate to do it to you, but the second big comeback of the weekend, obviously the the commanders who came back from the dead against uh, the Broncos, ultimately, despite a, a very exciting and ultimately fruitless uh, comeback attempt from the Broncos themselves late on. Great game for the neutral, but a heart stopper for, 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 for you guys. Um, it was signs, though, that Russell Wilson and, and Sean Payton and, and that Broncos offense can click, albeit sporadically, like a, an unbelievable throw to, to Marvin Mims, which in a funny sort of a way, he seemed to give Russell Wilson a bit of t- a bit of tunnel vision. He's only looking at the deep ball then and forgetting how to move the team down the field in a more sustainable way. Yeah, and that's the exact issue that right when Russ gets uh, you know finds a groove like that, ultimately he can't seem to get away from it. And then in the second half, he holds onto the ball, holds onto the ball, and the commanders are able to get to him. Everything goes wrong. It it all started to go wrong from Russell's fumble and. There are a couple of things that stand out to me, right? I know that a lot of Broncos fans are giving out about a potential face mask, and particularly around uh, the you know DPI on the the la- on the two point conversion after the the hail mary. A the hail mary got lucky on the bounce, right? Because it ultimately it falls short. Um, so that that's a point to remember. And that yeah, it was says, something pinball directly. <laughs> And now the Broncos have had a number of them. There was a great one with Brandon Stokely many years back uh, where he goes right down the, the line. But the point to me is, right, you, you you win some and you lose some on ones of these, right? The Tlaib could have been called on a holding on Gronkowski on fourth down in that fantastic AFC Championship game uh, when the, the Broncos beat the Patriots on the way to Super Bowl 50 they got away with it like every single play and this was a week where I felt there were too many flags thrown but you could throw a flag on every single play in the NFL like technically somebody's holding technically somebody moves first there's always something so you've just got to play with it and one thing fine yeah the, the offense looked good at times but the defense was just horrific they can't get off the field and one thing I saw I saw uh ESPN uh, tweeted this out and Brandon Perna picked up on it. And um, Sean Payton's teams were 72 and 0. 72 and 0 when they led by by uh, 18 points or, uh, you know, and um, that changed. So welcome to Denver, Sean. Things are very different here. And uh, it's going to take all your coaching to turn things around. And just like Homer Simpson thought the Washington Generals were due against the Globetrotters, I guess the Commanders were due against Sean Payton at some point. And you now we've we've been talking about the comeback, uh, Brian, while focusing on the Broncos, and it's the Commanders who pulled it out there, and they're not going away without a fight. Like they're they're not fading, as I perhaps suggested in preseason, they might into obscurity while they await the the new ownership and 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 the changes that might happen at the end of the season. Um, Ron Rivera has his guys playing. It does. Colin bottled it. Colin selected the commanders initially to uh, go to the playoffs, and then he kind of he kind of reflected and took it away. Um, well, look, it's still early days. I was concerned going into the season for for Rivera because I thought maybe the players were kind of moving distance themselves from what we saw the kind of difficult moments where their players were kind of giving it about Eric B. Enemy in terms of you know the structure in which he wants to put in place as offensive coordinator. There were suggestions that Rivera didn't even want him in the first place, and he's kind of. This is the inevitable head coaching role that the enemy will pick up when, when Rivera gets fired. But right now, it looks like they're very together. And it was telling off after one of the touchdowns how the players kind of went over and they were all kind of celebrating with the enemy. So I don't know if, again, that's it kind of signifies that they've kind of accepted what the responsibility of the onus of what he wants to do from a coaching perspective. But yeah, they're 2-0. And like 
this is the commanders we said they, they've got the players it's whether they can put it all together now it looks good like, you can understand now still again still early but you can understand why they've given them the opportunity this, this weekend is a bit of a measuring stick game for me I mean they got the Bills coming to town they've come off a strong win against the, against the Raiders so it'd be interesting to see if they can live with the big boys this weekend Let's well, stay with that with NFC East team, Brian, because Cowboys had a comfortable enough win against the Jets in the end. Um, that Cowboys defense and Micah Parsons in particular, I, I don't think there, there there will be a week the way he's playing at the moment where we're not highlighting spectacular plays. Like one stunt in particular where he just seemed to hit top speed in about two strides, run around the side and just empty Zach Wilson. Actually felt bad for, for Wilson. He's He's unplayable when he's like, yeah, we said it last week. Like the, the speed after the after the initial block a, a, after a snap, it's just it's lightning quick. It's just unbelievable. They've got the Cardinals this weekend, and Dobbs is in for a rough ride this this coming Sunday. The Cowboys' defense is really good, and we know it's going to be really good, and it will probably propel them towards the the Super Bowl and everything. But like, what's and people when we're doing the picks in this game, I suggested blowout because I, I've no faith in Zach Wilson. I know the Jets fans were. You know, static after the, the win and the nature of the comeback last weekend, but we did call out ultimately it was all very much on a defensive performance. And they got good field position to allow the, the Jets to score late on in the game. Like Zach Wilson, for me, he's just, he's, it's, it's just not going to work. You're saying, you're saying earlier on about like Brandon State, it's just not going to work with this. Definitely is not going to like, I'd be stunned if he's still playing week seven, week eight for the Jets because they've got a great side, they've got a great opportunity. This year, but as long as he's cornerback for me, it's not going to work. And uh, this week out against the Patriots, like Belichick will be scheming again, like he did two years ago, and he took him apart in that game. I imagine the Patriots defense would have something lined up. The Jets are sorry, one more in this game for the weekend. Three or four weeks ago, the Jets were being clear favorites in this game. It's telling that the Patriots are now favorites for this game, despite the Patriots being 0 2. Colin, a lot of quarterbacks will go into Arlington and come out with that haunted look, but you know it's it's hard to disagree with Brian there. I I reckon Zach Wilson just doesn't look like he's got it, and it's a tough tough place to go when when you're as outgunned as he was. Yeah, do you remember that wonderful "Everything But the Girl" song? Missing that that is the the soundtrack to the Jets season, right? Because it's it's haunting, it's evocative, and ultimately the lyrics are apt for what the Jets are going through. They're they're running essentially back 2022, but the players have less patience with it now because you saw at the weekend, you know, uh, Brees Hall was annoyed. Garrett Wilson seems to be annoyed. Saul seems to, to be annoyed because they recognize how talented the rest of that roster is. And unlike the Broncos from a few years ago, uh, where they talked about the offensive weapons, the Jets truly have them. Like you, you saw the, when when Garrett Wilson did did get the one opportunity. Like he's fantastic, and and Brees Hall is very very talented. Um, they they can't. It will. It, I I know they tried the the show of solidarity uh, with uh, with Zach Wilson after that. That won't last. It's it's. They, and I don't know what they do. And I, I said it on, on last week's show at this time, you know, would you go and, and look to, you know, make an offer for Kirk Cousins of what ultimately would that cost? And, and would Kirk agree to it? Would he want to go to New York? But you have to investigate it because the window to win a Super Bowl is is small uh, unless you have a Pat Holmes, right? You need that level because generally it, 
everybody else is kind of up and down. So you have the, the talent there. You can't keep going with Zach Wilson. The players are down tools. Right, speaking of quarterbacks that might be uh, in need of replacement, <laughs> I hate to say it, but we may be looking at such a situation in Chicago, unfortunately, Justin Fields. Uh, we talked about Zach Wilson being haunted. Fields had another rough outing at, at the weekend, a game where kind of cursing myself, in spite of myself, I picked the Bears to win this one because I said, look, I have them at winning six games this year and they're not going to w- win against the books. I was wondering where those wins are going to come from. Well, I'm still wondering after the weekend. Um, and, you know, having called out Fields through one particularly bad pick, you know, hit Shaq Barrett for Shaq Barrett's first ever interception, went in for a, for a pick six. Just when the Bears had a chance to, they pulled it back within a field goal and had that opportunity to drive, albeit backed up in their own end zone. But so much of the blame here has to go to dysfunctional organization from the get-go and offensive coordinator Luke Getze who's very much in the crosshairs of Bears fans at the moment two screen passes called in a row to Khalil Herbert first one fails second one and this is the thing about the Bears offense at the moment utterly utterly predictable I mean football if it's anything is a game of misdirection you gotta make the other team think you're gonna run when you're gonna pass you gotta make the other team think you're going left when you're going right you you could call Luke Getze's game plan out you know six seconds before the play goes in and it seems like every defense in the league is wise to it at this stage. There just isn't an awful lot there. Um, and the pity of it is that when they allow Fields to go downfield, he's actually been pretty pretty accurate. His explosive plays are there. He can hit guys in stride. Um, he particularly seems to have a connection with DJ Moore when they can scheme to get more open. Um, but what happens or what seems to happen is that you know the O-line hasn't made the strides forward this season. He's under pressure all the time. He's making bad decisions. Like There's a time uh, in that game at the weekend where... DJ Moore was actually wide open in, in the flat. He just had to look up and hit him. And instead, he tucks the ball in, tries to run, gets swallowed up. Um, and, and it's an absolute drive killer. You know, even when they get big plays on defense, and there aren't too many of them to go around, the good special teams play at the weekend with a blocked field goal, couldn't advance it down the field, turn it over, and the, and the, the Bucks come right back and score. But, uh, Brian, for you, um, is the focus on fields or should it be elsewhere in Chicago? It has to be on fields. I don't even think Getsy is I'm not gonna say you're no you're closer than I am, so I, I bear down in mind when I say these things. But is Getsy limited by the quarterback play? And maybe that's the reason buying the playbook. But more broader, I, I mean, I'll put this to you though, like it, this is so similar to the Nagy Trubisky situation. If your play calling says to a quarterback over and over again, I don't trust you, I don't trust you, I don't trust you, how's the quarterback gonna develop? They could argue they don't trust him because it's a broader conversation there, okay? Not just to focus on that game. 27 games, 22nd, 26 touchdowns, 24 interceptions. Been sacked 10 times this season already. Offensive line is a problem. He's had 101 sacks in his time with the Bears. The QB rating last year was 26.4. Right now it's 23% after, the two, after two games of the season. It just looks like he's gone the wrong direction. Which is why last January, when the when the question was, People are saying, oh no, just to visit the answer, the Bears will make the right decision to draft. And my answer then was to trade him and use it to go after the likes of Anthony Richard. And I know people just say you're just kicking the candy on the road and taking him in a quarterback. But I think at that stage, there might have been a suitable offer that the Bears would have really considered. I know they got the offer in the end. It's hard to know because the offensive line is continuously poor. They've mismatched again this season. They've put it together. Richard has been injuries. So it's hard. Some Bears fans will argue you're not seeing the true reflection of a quarterback if you had. An offensive line there. But I do agree with you on the DJ Moore thing. That makes no sense. You make that trade, you get him in, surely he becomes the main focal point of the offense outside of your quarterback. And they're not, they're not utilizing him in the way they should be. Like what we saw in Carolina, which inevitably made him the number one receiver. But it fails for me. I, I'm 
I've been saying it for two years. Adam knows the score. How I feel about him, I think in the end, Bears next season will make a really different decision. But I got, I got to say, if, you, if you're Caleb Williams, you're hoping the Bears don't end up with the number one pick, like given Chicago's lamentable record at, at developing quarterbacks. I, I, I leave it there. Colin, you want to weigh in on this one before we stick a fork in it? Yeah, ju- just, I, I think, you know, it is kind of chicken and egg. Uh, but one thing that uh, I, I thought that was interesting yeah, is right the uh, true right the first two weeks and granted it's only the first two weeks uh the four uh most productive qbs in the league tua jordan love matthew stafford and brock purdy their play callers are kyle shanahan mike mctaniel lefleur and sean McVay. so it's not one or the other i i think you need both and I think, unfortunately, for the, the Bears, it's just not going to, to work with with the situation that they have. I think somebody might take a, a flyer on Fields because it, in a different situation, maybe. Um, but it, it hasn't worked out. And it shows that coming into the league and, like, ultimately, when you look at, say, right, the the Eagles and what they did, um, you know, they got lucky ultimately. They were in the Deshaun uh, Watson sweepstakes. They were in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes. They ended up staying the the course and they put pieces around. Like, what? Who does Fields have to, to throw to realistically? I mean, the his wide receiver, the, the guy that the Bears traded for last year has to make a groveling apology. Like Homer Simpson kind of having to crawl back in to apologize to Mr. Burns. Uh, that that is that is telling, and the O line is a problem. The roster is a problem. Are are the Bears, Connor? Question is: Are the Bears starting completely from scratch next year? Do they need to absolutely clean house again? But then you know, but do you, like that's the thing: you're starting all over. But do you trust the GM to get it right? Do you trust the the head coach? Do you trust that they will improve the process the next time around? Well, there you go. You, you wind the clock back and, you know, I, I I leave it at this. We don't want to talk about the Bears all night, but the original sin here was allowing Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy to decide the medium-term future of your franchise. A lame-duck GM and coaching combo who are going to be on their way out at the end of the year made the decision on, on your quarterback. And, you know, the Bears seem, had, seem to be destined to make the same mistake again unless things make a serious upturn in the, in the, medium, in the medium term. Connor, can I ask you one more quick question? Sorry, I just feel like people have this is a Bears segment on its own. Would right? Do you think uh, Oz would survive him after two years, or do you think the Bears would see it as a as a long term plan and he's yet another year? Well, I think Poles has made some moves, right? And one clever thing that he did was he hedged his bets with Fields, right? He he, he didn't do anything stupid. Like I know you you can say they they could have taken the number one overall pick and they could have gone with Bryce Young and they could have gone with Anthony Richardson. They gave Fields a chance, and I think we had seen enough to suggest that he could make a step. You could now the, the Jalen Hurts paradigm was never there for me you might have got Daniel Jones say but that would rely on you know having a, a Brian Dayball or a uh, or a Ben Johnson and look at the, the, the progress that Jared Goff has made under him which unfortunately I don't think Lou Getzey is but in the back in, in his back pocket polls got he got DJ Moore for, for trading the, the number one overall pick which was a great move um, and they still have a shot at a, at a top quarterback next year if they want or enough draft capital to go out and tempt somebody to part with their veteran and plug 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 him into into that offense. So I think he's shown enough as GM. He's brought in some good pieces on the on the defensive side as well. They've made some good moves there in the draft, 
um, and, and they've had to pretty much start from scratch there. I, I don't think Pulse has been a disaster by any manner of means, but it has serious questions about the entire coaching staff. Alan Williams, the DC, has now taken a step away uh, for personal reasons. Iberflus is, is taking up his coaching responsibilities. Uh, I've talked at length about Gessie, but you know, I think if this clear out, I think Pulse probably has done enough to survive. I don't think he's dirtied his copybook too much.